guys, and welcome back to Happy and Healthy. Uh, welcome back for another podcast. Happy Tuesday. Um, thank you guys for listening my last podcast. Uh, that one was hard to do. I'm not even going to lie. That was really, really hard. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, definitely go check it out. Because as always, I opened up about something I rarely, rarely talk about, but I do believe that it's going to help someone else find freedom. And that was the whole point of that podcast. So thank you guys so much for all your support and love. Um, I have just been loving doing these podcasts. So for today's podcast, I am so excited to bring on a friend of mine. Her name is Kate Warman. She has her own podcast called The Heart of Dating, which has helped me out quite a bit. And I know we talk a lot about dating on this, but I do feel like majority of my followers are from the age range of 18 to 24. Everyone is out here looking for love, including myself. Like this is a hard time. It's a hard season. Dating is confusing. There's not a lot about dating in the Bible. It's just kind of like, you know, what the freak am I supposed to do? So I wanted to bring on my good friend, Kate Warman, so we can discuss more of this. Um, Specifically today, we want to more talk about kind of just like rejection and getting back into the dating scene once you've gone through a bad relationship or once you've recently broke broken up with somebody um, and just kind of like how not to project all those past things onto the future person, because it is really hard when you have wounds or when you have scars it's really easy just to do that. And so um, I wanted to kind of talk about that with her today. I also had a listener send in a voice memo. So you guys can do this underneath my podcast where you guys can submit audio questions. I absolutely love this. I love hearing y'all's voice and just being able to answer your questions. So I had someone send me in something about um, just kind of how do I, you know, steward this season of feeling like lonely and single when I see everyone else in relationships and they're happy and everything, like, how do I go about that? So I wanted to include her question in, and then Kate and I are going to discuss that. And then we'll get all into this topic. So if you're single or you're dating or you're going through a breakup or, you know, whatever the case may be, maybe you're, you just went through a really rough season. I just hope this podcast helps you out today. And I'll also have Kate tell a little bit more about herself when she comes on. So let's answer or let's hear this question from Alyssa. And then Kate and I will discuss it and I'll have her introduce herself. So hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and let's just get right into it. Hi, Janine. My name is Alyssa Martinez, and I'm a huge supporter of you and your content. I love watching you every single day. It just brightens my day, and you're such an inspiration to young girls just trying to figure out their lives. And with all your fitness, I love it. I had a question if you could answer it on your podcast about how to cope with the fact that it's not in God's plan right now for you to be in that happy, healthy relationship that you've been longing for. And just to see all these amazing couples and how you long for that, but it just isn't fit into your, God just hasn't put it in your life right now and how to just cope with that. And I often find myself sad many times of the week because I just long for that and just think what's wrong with me or what could I possibly be doing wrong? All 
right. Welcome to the podcast, Kate. How are you? Hey, girl. I'm so excited to be here and I'm doing well. (laughs) Yay. I'm so glad to get you on my podcast. I have loved your podcast for so long. Like literally, it has helped me so much. So thank you for coming on. Um, But yeah, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, tell them who you are, the whole shebang. Yes. Okay, cool. Well, y'all, my name is Kate Warman. I live in California, Los Angeles right now. I am a speaker and I'm a dating coach. I run a ministry called Heart of Dating uh, where we get to have conversations about Christian dating and the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian, which it can be really weird and really awkward. And we just need some help and guidance out here. Okay. So I started this podcast to really help Christians um, navigate this area. And then through the podcast, it's really led me to some other things. I now do one-on-one date coaching. I have a dating platform called Drop the Hanky, and we now run yearly conferences, which is super fun. We have one on February 6th. And then now I'm adding uh, author to my list of things, which is so crazy. And I'm just pinching myself that that's even possible. But my first book uh, called Thank You for Rejecting Me, Transform Pain into Purpose and Learn to Fight for Yourself comes out February 16th, right around Valentine's Day. So if you're feeling low, feeling rejected, feeling sad that you don't have someone, get it right around Valentine's Day. It's going to be the ultimate gift to your heart. But I'm super excited. I love talking about dating, Janine. And so that's me. And okay, I got to throw this fun fact in. I'm still a single woman. Okay. So there we go. Okay. First and foremost, when you said dating is hard, I felt that deep in my spirit. (laughs) That one hit home. Yep. And then secondly, if you are a male listener, which I mean, honestly, most of my audience, they're women. So hi, girls. But she's single, so if y'all know anybody, just send it her way, okay? Because right? okay. she she's a catch, you guys. She really is. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. Um, but yeah, I just love talking about dating as well because, I mean, in the intro, you obviously haven't heard the intro, but I was saying, like, you know, my main audience is 18 to 24. Those are, like, the pivotal years of, like, figuring this out. Like, what am I doing? Who am I going to date? What are the qualities I'm looking for? There's so much nuance that goes into dating and I love that you're talking about it but especially Christian dating like anybody can date and like literally anybody can date but to date well is where it gets hard it gets tricky how to communicate all the stuff it's like oh it's it's so frustrating I wish there was just such like a like a guideline that was black and white that was like just do this and then don't do that like I think it'd be a lot easier but (laughs) humans are complicated we're all different we all have things we require and need and have hurts and wounds and all that stuff so That's why we want to talk about the day. We want to talk about the wounds and the hurts and the rejection and the pain and all that (laughs) stuff. stuff. Yeah, guys. Yeah, we love it. Good combo. (laughs) Yeah. But before we jump into kind of what we wanted to talk about, um, I I played that little voice moment for you guys of a listener. Her name is Alyssa. And she said that she just feels like, how can she be happy for someone else or happy in her season when she sees everyone else dating and being happy and being married and getting engaged and like, Hey, right there with you. Yeah. I mean, one of my best friends just got married and I was like, okay, another one bites the dust, another one down. Like <laughs> love that. So I feel you sister, but yeah. What would some of your advice be Kate? Yeah. I think that I loved Alyssa's questions and her thoughts and it's, but part of this is just how do you deal and find contentment in the current season that you're in? And um, I think that one of the first things is, 
to not compare our situation to somebody else's. Uh, oftentimes we can be struck and overwhelmed by scarcity mindsets, thinking like it's never going to happen to us because it's happening for everybody else. And we got to remember that it's not about performance. It's not, let me be the perfect Bible girl and go to church and do all the right things. And then God will give me the desire of my heart. Like, I think that God isn't our genie in a bottle. He's not like, do this and then your wish is my command. You know, it's not, that's not how God works. And so I think that we have to really ask ourselves, hey, what does it look like to live in the fullness of my season, even if things are not panning out as I expected? And what does it look like to fully trust and surrender this process over to God? And I say that as a woman who is single and who also last year in 2020 dated a man that I fully, totally thought I was going to marry and was like, as a dating coach, like I kept it very private, but I was like, I'm going to marry this guy. I really thought I was going to. And seven months in, he ended it. Um, and I didn't see it coming. And that was really hard. And yet, even though there is that heartbreak, and even though I too have like all these friends that this year got married or the last few years got married, and now they're all getting babies. And I'm like, that's great. I'm just in my 30s now. <laughs> um, but I really do feel that God has purposed me for this season of singleness for a reason. And I just really trust that God is good, even through all the heartbreaks and even through the disappointment. So I wonder for, for Alyssa and for anyone listening who's struggling with that, what it looks like to like be able to be disappointed, but also still have find hope and press into God. So we can come to God being like, Hey God, I'm disappointed. Like I feel sad and lonely right now. Um, and also God, I want to find I want to see like impress into hope for the vision for my future, because I know that you're bigger than just this one moment. Uh, and oftentimes we are so focused on the right here, right now. And God can see the grand scheme of our life. You know, like right now it sucks. We feel like we're single and we sometimes don't love that, but like God sees the grand scheme of our life that in 10 years from now, we could be married and be mm -hmm. super grateful that we didn't get married to whoever it was that came into our path. You know what I mean, Janine? Mm, so true. Oh my gosh. You, this is why I brought her on y'all. Like this girl's just dropping bars over here. That was so good. Yeah. And I love that you said, like, it's not that you have to be this perfect little Christian, whatever. And then God's going to bless you. Like, yeah. I really don't believe that it says that like God um, does not withhold good things from those that he loves or those that love him too. Like mm -hmm. if you love and you're seeking him, like God wants to bless you. And so I love, I second everything she said. And then what I would probably add is like, you are right where you need to be. Mm. Like the grass is not always greener on the other side. You can choose your heart because being in a relationship, it's hard. Like Kate and I know yes. it's also hard. But also being single, it's hard, but it matters how you steward each season because you might be single and you're like, oh, I just want a relationship. I just want a relationship. But relationships have issues, fighting, communication things, like <laughs> so many things you have to deal with. Like you don't have your free time anymore. You might be up having to deal with like an argument till two in the morning. I don't know. <laughs> like It's just you choose your heart. And so remembering like you are right where you need to be, be present and be happy with where you are, where you are. Because when you find that relationship or when you do get married, like you'll have that Lord willing, you'll have that for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you just say like, don't even like the comparison thing. So, um, 
Yeah, yeah. Can I just interject too on one element to go along with what you're saying? I had Gary Thomas on my podcast twice actually, but well, love was, him. Yes. And I know you are also a huge fan of his book, The love. Sacred Search. Love that. Everyone needs to go read it. Um, but something he said to me during one of our interviews, which is so funny now, that first interview with him was like almost three years ago. But anyway, he said to me, he's like, Kate, like for every single who's questioning, like, why am I still like, why is it not happening for me? You have to step out and think of this. Like, would you rather be married right now and be in a marriage where you're actually not that happy and not satisfied? Or would you rather, so would you rather be in a 50 year marriage where you're not that satisfied, not that happy? Or would you rather be in a 45 year marriage where you are happy, where you are thriving, where you are living on kingdom vision? Like the difference between those two scenarios is five years. So if it takes five more years for you to find the person that you're really going to be purposed and walk alongside of, uh, side of for the glory of God, like that's for the rest of your life, right? If we can step back and say, if I am going to get married, it's hopefully going to be for many, many, many years. You know, it's not just like a short relationship. This is a covenant. This is a commitment. And so I want, I want to say, okay, I don't want to force it with anyone. If God wants me to wait another five years to find that person, and that's going to be the right person, I'm going to press into, well, how do I live into the fullness of what he's calling me to do right now versus trying to force it with somebody who. I'm not going to actually be that happy with in the long run. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Wow. And the di- like what you said, the difference of five years. Yep. The thing is too, like the five years, it does seem like forever, but in the grand scheme of things, because I think a lot of us are so like, I need it now, now, now. Like all of us want that instant gratification. That's our generation is we want that. But when you look at the grand scheme of your future, who who's going to raise your children, who's going to be a grandparent, to your children or to your grandchildren, like all those things like that matters. And that's why like the now, yeah. And I want to validate you in the sense of like, it sucks. Like it's hard. Like Kate and I are both single. Like we get it. We, we know, but when you look at your future of again, like who is going to be the person that's not just fun now and great now, but who's going to be that person that's still fun and great and amazing and serving me and doing kingdom work with me 50 years down the road that's what matters. And so I do recommend that book, The Sacred Search, because it makes you think about all those things. Literally the best vision. Oh, it's so good. Yep. So good. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. Let's just kind of jump into kind of more of like what we wanted to talk about. So rejection. I mean, that's something that you talk about a lot on your podcast and your book is about that. Like, tell me more about this rejection. Why are you so like passionate about talking about it and everything of that sort? Yeah. Well, I think that rejection, unfortunately, is one of those things we just can't get around. You know, it will inevitably happen to us throughout life and we don't have control of external rejections, but we do have control of how we respond in the wake of rejection. I say this in the intro of my book, um, rejection can try to have its way with us, but that doesn't mean we can't have our way with rejection. And what I mean by that is that rejection will try to take you down. It will try to get you with all of its lies and to make you question everything about yourself and doubt who you are and what your future is potentially. But if you can come more prepared for it and understand and kind of make peace with the fact that it is going to happen again, there's a way and also heal from the rejections of your past, which can be very hard. 
there is a way to not fear rejection quite as much in such a way that it cripples you. So I truly believe that in finding um, healing through our past rejections and being a little more prepared for them in the future, we can be so strong in such a way that rejections will hit us again and they will prick us. They will hurt still, but they're not going to take us down entirely. They're not going to destroy our entire, um, what we think about ourselves and our identity and, you know, all of that. And so, um, I'll give you an example, Janine. I mentioned earlier that I was in a relationship in 2020 Mm -hmm. And again, I thought I was going to marry this guy. That rejection, that heartbreak completely caught me off guard. And the irony is like, I wrote this book on rejection. Then I'm like, okay, great God. Like, does that mean like, I'm going to be blessed and not have to deal with big rejections again. God's like, no girl, like, you're still going to have to go with it through it too. Okay. Uh, so and I was like, no, but not again. This is my redemption story. I was like, I just poured out my heart of my biggest life rejections. And now I have to go through another and I I'm laughing right now, but it was so hard. Like it was really, it hit me and I was like, this sucks. But I will say in doing my, the, uh, in processing my past hurts and taking ownership of some of my parts from past rejections I've been through and being aware of the immediate lies that come to try to cling on to me in the face of rejection, this last heartbreak, even though I really was sure about this guy, I actually was able to heal through it so much faster um, than I ever have been in the past. And it's because of doing the work and being prepared for rejection. So I even more so believe in the content of the book because I'm like, oh man, like this does work. And so it doesn't mean you're going to be a robot and never feel the weight of rejection again or cry again or have your heart broken, but it does mean you can be stronger. And when those rejection comes, you're not going to question all the parts of your identity anymore because you are really solid in who you are in Christ. And you kind of just expect that rejection is par for the course. Mm, dang. <laughs> I love that you said that you won't question your identity because that, mm -hmm. that is really the thing with rejection is you're like, why did this person not like me? What did I do? What's wrong with me? Am I not lovable? Am I not pretty enough? Or, you know, all these things start to run through your head of like, why yeah. did this person not like me? And it sucks. It absolutely sucks. And like, I mean, kind of similar to what, you know, you were saying, like, I went through a breakup too. Like, I literally thought I was going to marry this person last year. And like, yes. that was taken from me. And I felt the same thing of like, was I not good enough? And so it does take a lot of that time to heal. But when you really do have your identity rooted in Christ, and you know yourself, and you know your worth and your value, it doesn't sting as badly anymore, because you're like, I'll be fine that just wasn't yeah. the right person. It doesn't mean that again, you can't like lament or be sad or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you're just like, Oh, that just like, wasn't the person and I'll be okay. Yeah. Um, but also what's so hard is like, well, you kind of made me think about this. It's like, you know, you, you go through the rejection, you go through the hurt and then you're like, okay, like this next person I'm dating, like maybe this is the one, this is the one, but then you start kind of to feel that rejection again. And you like, put your walls back up. Like, have you felt that as you're dating again, that you're like, Oh my gosh, like this is triggering me. Like I'm putting all my walls back up because I don't want to be rejected again. Yeah. And so I talk about this in the conclusion of my book actually. And I just feel like, I don't know, I love the conclusion of the book. Um, and I talk about thinking about your emotions, like they're all these little characters riding a bus and you are the one, you're the driver of the bus. So you get to direct 
where that bus goes. And that's the important part that you are always driving. You are driving the wheel. You are not letting any of the emotions in the back seat take over for you. You are still the one in charge of your emotions and your feelings and how much they affect you. Right. But in the back of the bus, you got all the different emotions. You have joy, surprise, you have anger, you have sadness and you have fear and, and a few others. So fear is an emotion that's in the back of the bus. It's right there. And what happens is this, when fear, what we can do throughout our lives and what, what often happens when we're crippled by rejection is fear like gets to the front of the bus and it's like right behind you whispering your ear and it's the loudest voice of all. And if we, and eventually it can be very convincing and you may let fear take over and start driving your bus, you know, and that's what we want to avoid because when fear starts driving the bus, you, I mean, who knows where you're going to end up, right? You're not going to be on the path that you necessarily want to be on. But I would also say this, I don't think fear is necessarily a bad emotion. I don't think that fear is something that we should just try to eliminate at all possible costs. I do think that there is healthy fear and that if we can look at fear in a different way and say, Hey, basically what it would be a healthy version of this instead is the fear is talking to me. It's whispering in my ear. And instead of letting it take control and start driving my bus and where my life is going, I can instead say, Hey, I real I see why you're really fearful right now. I think you're feeling this way because, you know, you had another relationship where someone betrayed you and you're worried about getting, opening your heart again. So I appreciate you because you're just trying to protect me from doing that again. But I know enough right now that I don't want to follow that fear. I don't want to follow the path that I was on before. So I appreciate you. Thank you for trying to warn me, but I'm good right now. And you can just, and then fear calms down and it's back in the backseat of the bus, right? And you you keep your hands on the wheel driving your life. And so I think that's like, that's part of like what we do with our emotions and fear is just an emotion that we have that we can either let rule our life or we can listen to it and understand as a learning where that fear is coming from. So in future relationships, like I'm not going to lie that and say that I do that perfectly, but I try to think of this a lot when it, when things are coming up for me in new relationships, like, okay, Kate, are you letting fear drive the bus here? Are you just so afraid of putting yourself out there because of what it may mean again? Or secondly, is there actual genuine red flags here that you should pay attention to? And for me, that often looks like trusting with some mentors or my therapist or processing with some people to really make sure like I'm not just letting fear rule me, but I'm actually paying attention to, but this is an actual red flag that I should pay attention to. Right. Um, and if it, if the fear is just speaking really loud, if this is not actually a true red flag, that is a deal breaker, then what I try to practice is like, okay, I appreciate you. Sometimes I'll even share that with the guy that I'm trying to talk with, but I'm trying to, I try to be very conscious of not letting that fear rule and dictate because love is a risk. Like relationships are a risk and uh -huh. it could be the greatest <laughs> risk of our lives, you know, like, but it's also yeah. That is, it is the greatest risk at the same time. Like it is, there's a beautiful reward for, for loving and risking, um, risking yourself for love. So I think that we just kind of have to know that as part of the process. Uh, that's what's so hard is like, I have yeah. so many things I want to say, like, but the thing is dating, dating is a risk and yes. you know, it's like, it's constantly that game of like, okay, I really like you. 
and I want to like share more and I want to dive deeper with you, but I'm also so scared of you because you could potentially break my heart. And now yeah. you know all these things about me and you could maybe use it against me or you could just walk away. And I just gave you all this information. And it's like this, it's so scary. And I wish it weren't so scary, but it is worth it in the end when you find the right person that you do feel safe and trust trusted with. Yeah. But I just, I mean, I wish it weren't so scary. Um, Oh my gosh. I do have just one more thing to add there. Um, yeah, go for it. I think a lot of this also comes down to how do I know if I can trust this person? Uh, I th- would you say that's probably one of your questions too? Like, is this somebody I can really trust? Yeah, definitely. It's like you really like them and you see the potential, but you're like, is should I really give this person all my time and attention and also like my past, everything I've been through? You know, it's like, right. how do I find that out? And I think a lot of times what we need to look at as individuals, Brene Brown has this great talk called The Anatomy of Trust, and I highly recommend it. It's pretty short, but listen to this if you've ever struggled with just fear or learning how to really trust someone. Um, and what I what I love, she gives an example of marble jar moments and basically picturing a marble jar and just putting marbles in that jar. Uh, But basically the marbles are acts of trust. And so you have people in your life that are like marble jar friends or marble jar people. They're people who have earned the right to be in the space of your life through years on end of building trust right with you. And so Oftentimes what we need to do for ourselves, and that looks different for different people, what is put in the marble jar, those marbles are different for different people. So I challenge people to do, and what I try to do is, for me, what do I need from somebody to put a marble in that marble jar as I'm getting to know someone? What is it that like earns my trust of that person. And that is individualized. Like it will be different for other people. Uh, And so think about that for yourself. Like what is, what do I actually need so that I can trust somebody? Because sometimes we're going in there, not even knowing what we really need to trust someone. And then there can be just all sorts of confusion and then fear. It's way easier for fear to creep in and take over. And so what is it that you really need? What are those marble jar things that you need to put a marble in that jar of trust? That's so good. I've never heard that before. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. And I think also just like your whole like analogy of like the the emotions and the bus. I want to go back to that because yeah. I love that. That's like such a good like visual of what our emotions are like. It's like that little movie. What's the movie with all the emotions? Inside Out. Yes. Yeah. That's what it reminds, <laughs> exactly. reminds me of. And I do think it's cool because in the end of the day, like we, you have to learn to self-parent. Like you have to learn- yes to be in control of your emotions. And so being able to check in with yourself and be like, okay, what am I feeling? Am I being crazy? Is it because I'm on my period? Is it because I'm tired? (laughs) Or is this because I'm like genuinely actually upset? And Mm. I think doing things out of fear is never a good place to be, you know, like dating out of fear because you're so afraid you're never going to find anybody is kind of a dangerous place to be. Or, Or, you know, like I think just anytime you're coming from a place of fear, versus like faith or just like confidence in yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just, it usually doesn't end well because the same thing, as you said earlier, like the scarcity mindset of like, yeah. I'm never going to find anybody. So I need to just go on the dating app, quickly go on a date, find someone, but that may not be your person because again, you're dating from a place of lack versus a place of abundance. Yes. And so um, that's where I think the, the, the place of fear can be so detrimental to you and your health and just the dating game. And then when you do that, Janine, it's like when you do date, if you're getting on that dating app, you're like, I need this. I have to have this. Like, I feel like I, I, it will make me feel X, insert whatever word there, whole, more loved, more valued, whatever it is. 
if that thing does not pan out, like you feel so much more destroyed, that much more yeah. heartbroken. And then you immediately, those lies of rejection, they come and they attack you and they latch onto you like leeches. And it, then you start thinking, I'm not worthy enough. I'm never going to be enough. There's something wrong with me. I'm not desirable. I'm not pretty. Right. But if, because you're, you went in to date in a place without fully knowing the truth and solidness and groundedness of your identity. And instead you dated at a place of lack and in place of fear. And if we do that, we will end up way more heartbroken. Yes, that's so true. Mm. So, um, okay, going kind of back to like, okay, so you and I have both been through some heartbreaks. <laughs> <things>. <laughs> <Those> like, <laughs> yeah. And like now going back into the dating scene, like yeah. how, how are you going back into it, you know, being open, but still kind of guarding your heart and not projecting those past things onto someone else that's new. Yeah. You know, this is a balance. Like I said before, like I wouldn't, not going to pretend that I do this perfectly, but I think every relationship is like a little teacher in your life. So we really have to, after relationships end, look at, Hey, what did I learn about myself? What did I learn about my communication style? What is important to me in relationship? What did I learn about how I show up when someone is X way? What can I work on? Just asking all these questions to take ownership and really see it as like, not just a failed relationship, but like what an amazing learning opportunity. <laughs> and um, so for me, that I, I have now done that probably to an nth degree. And so my biggest issue in future relationships is making sure that I'm not overanalyzing and trying to be really present with this person in front of me. Uh, mm -hmm. So if if somebody shows a little bit of a sign that of some characteristic that's like somebody I dated, I try to just not worry at that moment, but just, I take stock of like, how does my body feel right now? Um, how am right. I really, what, what's going on within me? And, um, and because this is a new person and you can't make judgments and assumptions quite yet. You can watch and, and you should just evaluate. I mean, dating is an evaluation process, but you uh -huh. want to be careful of like, what are your absolute non-negotiable like deal breaker items and what just may be like, you just need more time to see how this thing really plays out. Right. And so, right. because if you see a big red flag, you, and you address it to that person and then they don't handle it well. I mean, that's a really big sign, right? right. Um, but if you, um, so I think it's definitely that balance and it's tough to do, to be honest, because you really don't oh, want to get hard. your heart broken again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I find that's really like, it's hard, especially when you have a wound from the past and then you might see like a little bit of that in a new person mm -hmm. and then you're like okay wait I can feel in my body this is triggering me what if they're like my ex what if they do this what if like and you start playing the whole game of like the what if and like you were saying like your body yeah. you feel you feel something off yeah. and so for you like do you how do you communicate that to this new partner or when do you tell them or do you even say anything to them like hey this is an old wound I used to deal with so I want you to know that or do you just kind of like brush it off or how do you handle that? So in the beginning of dating someone new, what I typically do is after a date, I will come back and I usually journal about it. When I'm calm, when I'm level-headed, I journal like, how did I actually feel around this person? Um, what came up for me? What did I really enjoy? What do I want to be aware of in the future? And just really journaling my actual experience um, versus just like living in the high of the date or whatever, <laughs> or hyper-focusing on one small thing that went wrong. You know, so I try to journal out like, what is it that you're actually feeling in your body, Kate? Um, 
And if I do consistently feel like there's some level of anxiousness or something keeps coming up for me as I continue to talk to this person, um, usually what I do is I bring that to God. I bring it to a close friend or trusted mentor or somebody like that. And if it really is something where I'm like, yeah, this is a concern for me, I'm honest with that person. I'm like, hey, so when you speak this way, so let's actually, we talked about this, Janine, so I'm going to bring it up. Like I have okay. a very sensitive heart. And what I do notice is if some, if some, like really sensitive and I know that I need a lot of gentleness, like I need someone who's able to step into just speaking in a gentle way because my heart will, if it's, if there's anything that's louder, more bold, more curt, like whatever, I will just like, my whole body will tense up. And my propensity is then to instead be, instead of being open, I'll want to go on the defense or I'll want to just shut off entirely. (laughs) So that, and that's what they'll get from me is I'll either go immediately on defense and like snap back, or I'll just like cower and like start going into my turtle shell and I'll be like, okay, well, I'm not going to say anything else, you know? And so what I really need is I really want to learn somebody and what's, what they're feeling and how um, things are affecting them. But I need it in such a way that it's like the tone is gentler. The, the, the delivery is just softer. And there are just some people out there that are really bold in how they communicate. Um, And in fact, my last ex-boyfriend, he was this way. He was really bold in how he communicated. And I was like, (gasps) like, I found myself like not being able to breathe. (laughs) If I'm being honest. I was like, oh my gosh, okay, it's a lot. I'm feeling flooded, you know? Yeah, totally. It just triggers you. It triggers. And and here's the thing: him being direct and like more like to the point is not necessarily bad. It's bad if it's mean, but it's not necessarily right. bad if you're more direct or you're more bold in your communication. It just may mean that um, we have very different ways of communicating. And I would love to invite you into understanding how um, it would help me to hear you better if you were able to be softer in any way. <laughs> You know, totally. So that's kind of the things I have to do in future relationships. It's not run away when I see somebody who is direct or bold in their communication, but rather say like, Hey, I really care about what you're saying right now. And I really want to hear you. I actually really do. Would it be possible for me? I know that it's hard sometimes for me to hear when it's so forceful and bold. If there's any way you could like just be softer in the delivery, it will really help me to, to stay focused on hearing what you're saying. Um, Mm. so that's what I'll try to do and see what happens, you know? And that's my attempt of not running away when I see somebody who has like a bold way of communicating, but rather saying, okay, their communication style is different for me. It's not bad, but how do we work with this? You know, uh, And if you're just, if you are in that trigger and you don't, and you're not able to get out of it, then what you'll do is just run away and you'll likely run away from the relationship too. (laughs) Yeah. Which I've totally done that before, (laughs) but no, really at the end of the day, like the, the communication is everything. Like when you communicate, um, okay, Hey, that really hurt my feelings. Or do you mind if we do a different way or whatever, like seeing their response, it's like the scariest thing because you put yourself out there, you're vulnerable. You're like, okay, I'm going to bring this to this person. I'm going to see what they say. And then you're like really hopeful they'll respond well. And if they don't, then yeah, you're right. It makes you just completely want to like 
retract, go back into your little shell, and you're like, I'm never going to say to this anything to this person ever again. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the beginning of a toxic relationship. <laughs> because that will okay. come out. It will come out in other ways. Oh, my gosh. Oh, totally. I mean, you can't. You can only suppress that for so long until you freaking explode or you're just like, oh, my gosh, yes. I can't do this relationship anymore. It's, and you it's so not good. Run away and then they feel abandoned. They're like, wait a second. I didn't even know you were having a problem. You know, and you're right. like, and so, yeah, yeah, because I didn't communicate. Everything. And I also like that you said you bounce it off of other people because that's what I have to do too. Like I need to double check. Okay. Am I being crazy? You know how like girls, girls have this stereotype, like, Oh, all girls are just psycho and crazy, which no, we're not. (laughs) No, but like we, we do feel deeper. We are more emotionally driven. We care more. We want to talk through everything we want (laughs) to process. And so to guys that might be like, Oh, she's needy or she just wants to talk or she's clingy or whatever. (laughs) But really a girl just like, she wants to process things with you. She wants to feel safe. She wants to feel like she can trust you that you care yeah and so when you come when a girl comes to a guy and she's like hey that really hurt me like for him to not respond well and be like I'm so sorry like let me hear you out that's gonna make a girl retract and so Uh um, it's so hard and it makes you feel rejected again to go back to the rejection makes you feel rejected like wow he didn't care to hear what I had to say he didn't care about my heart and yes. that really hurts. So now again, I'm going to go back in my hole and I'm going to go die. Like that's yeah. how it feels. Honestly though, at what you're bringing up is my personal biggest like trigger moment in relationships. I think the thing that you that any man who dates me is going to see and guys who have dated me if they're listening, they will know this to be true. Like my biggest trigger comes from if I don't feel heard. Um if I don't feel heard or somebody isn't seeking to understand, like I I do not respond well. Again, I either push away and go into that hermit crab or I get louder and I'm like, no, you're going to hear me like here. Now I have to like be defensive and you're going to hear me like, you know, and so it's one of those two ways. And that's like a childhood wound for me. Like I grew up in a home where I wasn't heard and I constantly, my parents were so focused on them and their fighting and all that, that I like, that was what I learned to do. And that's how my that's how I learned to cope was to get loud, to get them to hear me. And so in the years I used to only get loud. That was my only, but now I've also learned the opposite, which is to be a hermit and run away because I don't like getting loud. (laughs) So I totally agree. (laughs) And that I want to say all this too, to say like, Hey guys, there's also ownership on our end. Like it's like, if we have a trigger, it's not that like, Oh my gosh, like that person is responsible for me controlling my trigger. No, it is a partnership, but you, that means in a partnership, you also have to do the work to like, say, what is triggering me right now? Why is it triggering me? Is this something I can take care of at this moment? Um, maybe I can calm down, let 20 minutes go by and let every, all the neurons firing yeah. my brain. Let me go for a walk for and a second. You know, yeah. it through a friend. Let me journal through it before I go to this person and explode on them. Like, I think yeah. that's a very healthy thing is like, let me first figure out what am I actually feeling before I go and present this to the person. Yes. And I like what you said too, like we do have to take ownership and responsibility. And I actually saw this quote on Instagram today that said, you are not responsible for your trauma, but you are responsible for your healing. And I was like, Ooh. oh snap. Cause there it's so true. Yeah. Like what, whatever happened to you, I'm sorry. You know, like that's hard. Like I've been through some trauma. She has too. And that's not fun. It's not like we wish that upon ourselves, but we are responsible for the healing, dealing with it, processing that, and also communicating that to your next partner, which again is so scary because you're, you have to be vulnerable. You have to open up again. 
Yes, so exactly, Janine. And there, but there's also a beauty to taking radical ownership and and to being aware of the things that come up for you and that you're still working on and being honest about that. Because here's the thing, guys, like if you went through a relationship, you got rejected, you got broken up with, or maybe you're listening to this realizing like, oh, I have some work to do. You know, don't also put in your mind that there's like some perfect position or place you're going to be where you are like perfectly healed and don't have any trauma wounding or triggers that will ever come up again. Like that's unrealistic. And I don't know a person on the planet that's walking their life out that way. because I'd be be single forever if I was like, okay, I'm going to start dating when I'm like completely healed. Like, I think you're always going to have a little bit of those wounds because they're deep and they do hurt. Yes. And all it is, is to just do as much as you can to take stock of what you've been through, what's coming up for you. If there's patterns that you're noticing or that people are calling out, like, yeah, yeah. maybe take a pause and and sort through some of those things. But we just have to be committed to the journey of growth. Like I think as Christians, especially like I say, this is one of my non-negotiables in relationships. And I also hope to live my life this way. But having a teachable spirit, um, if if we don't have a teachable spirit, like I think it's hard to be a follower of Jesus without a teachable spirit, you know, because a teachable spirit means we're going to humble ourselves. We're going to admit our wrongs. We're going to want to learn and grow because so much of our journey here on earth as Christians is to learn how to walk in the way of Jesus. And God knows we're going to fail. God knows we're not perfect. Like That's mm-hmm. why he sent Jesus and he died for our sins, right? So we can accept that grace and love and that mercy and that gift. But it's not to like have it as an excuse that I just get to go sin. No, it's to say, no, I constantly right. want to be learning and growing, being willing to humble myself, admit my wrongs, and be on a journey to, as best as I can, walk in the way of Jesus throughout my life. So it's a process. <laughs> oh, amen. Amen. And and to kind of go back really quickly before we start closing out, just like what you were saying with like the family stuff, I think mm-hmm. something that a lot of us need to remember is that most of our problems kind of come from our childhood. It's yeah. a lot of psychological things that we are dealing with. I mean, everything stems from something, which is why I usually try to tell my followers, I'm like, you know, you need to reveal it so you can heal it. And when you're going through the dating process, you know, you might be like, oh, this hurts me or this triggers me, but you need to figure out why does that hurt so badly? And a lot of it comes from our own parents' marriage. I mean, same thing, what you were saying, like I saw my parents fight. I saw them handle conflict very, very poorly. I saw my mom, you know, kind of just retract and not really ever address the issue. So I grew up in the same thing. Anytime, like even with my like high school boyfriend, like I saw my parents do that. And so I would just be like, okay, I just need to like pray it away. Just got to pray that this will not, you know, affect me. And I wouldn't like, I would just sweep things underneath the rug constantly. I did that again with my most recent relationship because that was all I saw. And so going to counseling, Kate and I are both big, uh, you know, proponents of, of counseling that will help you identify where are the triggers, where are the wounds, where is the abandonment issues or whatever it be, because those will pop up in relationships and you want to know the why behind what you're doing. I think that's so, so crucial so that even your partner can understand, okay, this is why this hurts her so badly. Like maybe her parents got divorced or maybe her dad left or maybe you know, whatever it may be. That's why she's yes. so hurt or affected. And so your childhood, it sucks, but it does matter in the dating process. Yeah, that's bringing up something for me. If you don't know the intricacies of your heart, how is somebody else going to? 
Uh, mm, I'll just let that yeah. sink in, y'all. If you don't know the intricacies of your own heart, how is someone else supposed to? Uh, it which just means like you want an intimate relationship for that person to learn and grow and understand the intricacies of your heart and what makes you you. And your story doesn't define you, but it is a part of you. Those things that happen shape the way you see the world, shaped how you show up for different things in life and shape part of your personality and shape how you cope with things, how you communicate. And you want to be able to understand why you were shaped and formed into the person that you are today. If you don't understand that, how is somebody else going to, you know? Right. Uh, so that's so important. Um, and it's hard to dive into those areas, but man, can it be so freeing once we start reconciling with some of those things from our childhood? Totally. And not even just that, like you dive into the intricacies, but like you find someone that cares about those intricacies yeah. because it does matter. There like if yeah. this person's going to marry you, like they, they should know everything about you. Right. And so yeah. I think finding someone that cares, which that's the hard part, yes. <laughs> like, you know, going through the dating scene. Cause like, I'm, I'm kind of seeing someone right now and I'm trying to like figure this all out and process through it. And I'm like, why is this so scary? Like my yes. walls keep going back up because I'm so scared of being hurt again. Mm. Cause like, I never want to go through the heartbreak I went through last year, like ever yeah. again. Yes. And so I'm like, let me put my walls back up and blah, 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 blah. But I also have to just trust that like, like again, right where, what I said earlier, I'm right where I need to be and I cannot mess up God's plan. So if you're going in the dating process and you're scared, like, what, what God meant for you, no one can take yeah. away. And so yeah. trusting that you cannot thwart, you cannot mess up God's plan. And so if you were meant to be with this person, this is the person that God has for you. Just rest in that, sit back, be present with the relationship. Don't jump ahead too forward. Don't look in the past too much. Just sit present with this person and be like, okay, day by day, I'm going to figure this out with this person yeah, and, and just see, you know, see what happens because it, Dating is a process. You do want to take it slow. You want to get to know them and you want to make sure really like you're vetting out this person for marriage. Yeah. Back to the sacred search. He's like, talks yes. about like that process and how long that should take because sometimes we do, especially as Christians jump in too fast. But Janine, what you said is like what I've been trying to practice currently as I'm like venturing out into dating again, it's like, how do I take a breath? and stay present with this person and yes. not like, what am I really feeling? Where is that coming from? If I'm confused about it, bring in that therapist who I'm uh -huh. going to see in a few no. minutes after our call right now. <laughs> But like literally, and that, but seriously, how do I also just stay present to this person in front of me? I don't need to know the finish line. I don't need to know right this second if I'm going to marry right. this person. And I also, I'm just watching. You're just watching and seeing. Yes. And that's especially Observing. in the beginning of the relationship. Like it's so important. Because I think that's sometimes where our fears come up the most. If we can yes. get over that hurdle enough to say like, I want to commit to you. We've done, you know, we know enough that we want to say yes, right? So we've worked through some of those fears. But I think oftentimes when we run, oftentimes when we question everything, it's like really in that beginning stages of opening our heart to somebody. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I feel like in the first couple months, that's when you're, you're collecting the data, you're observing, you're like, let me just watch this person and see what yes. happens. And it, it is a pretty crucial time frame. So yeah, really make sure you're, you know, really just sitting back and watching what they do. Time is um, your best friend. My gosh. Oh, yes. Totally, totally. But okay, so I think that closes out today's podcast. Kate, thank you so much for coming on. I absolutely love this conversation. I just think dating is so fun to talk about, which is why obviously you have a whole podcast on it. So thank you. And let me know or let them know where can they find you on Instagram or, you know, all that stuff. 
Yeah. Okay, y'all. Well, I would love to connect. I'm on Instagram at Kateness, which is spelled K-A-I-T-N-E-S-S. And then Heart of Dating. We have an Instagram. Our podcast is Heart of Dating. Wherever you want to listen to it, it's all the places, heartofdating.com. My book, Thank You for Rejecting Me, is out February 16th, and you can get it anywhere books are sold, or you can visit tyfrm.com or thankyouforrejectingme.com. It's all the things. I'm super excited. And um, Janine, thanks so much, girl. This was awesome. I love these conversations where we just like sit like girlfriends chatting about dating. Yes, <laughs> it's so fun. And hey, congrats on your book. That's amazing. I'm so proud of you, and I'm stoked to get Thank that book. You. And I'm sure that'll bless a lot of people that are going through that. Thanks, girly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. I will see you guys again next week. You can check out the Happy and Healthy podcast um, Instagram if you want to share your feedback or your thoughts on today's podcast because I thought it was so fun. So I'll see you guys soon and stay happy and healthy. Bye, guys. Bye.